I was just telling Vanessa that I spent most of my life in San Francisco. I lived there for a bit. I have family ties there, and Matthew is there for many, many years. I haven't been back for 12 years, so I have no idea what it's like now. I haven't been back in a few years. I think, I mean, Matt, when were you, have you been there? I mean, it looks, I hear a lot of things that it's not. Yeah, I go back there regularly. My boys live up there still. As you saw them in in the movie, they're still there. And I go up there quite a bit. It's the skyline has totally changed. It's it's a completely different skyline now. So Pete and I both watched this doc. I've watched it twice now and I, I loved it. It's and I, I think you. I think I speak for both Pete and I when I say we really enjoyed this and there's a lot of heart in it. Something that struck me when I was watching is that you could apply this to anything. Like Doctor Who is kind of just a thin backdrop to this. At its heart, it's a story about a man coming to terms with his past and acceptance and moving on. Is that something that you both intentionally tried to do? Yes. I would say it took us a while to get to that point. I mean, we didn't know what the story was until it went into the edit. I mean, Matthew was genuinely reluctant to be going back into this world. But so in the edit room, once we sort of knew that Matthew is going to be the the villain of the piece, essentially, because he's the one who needs to be turned. Yeah. Then we realized that's what we wanted to get to. And we needed to believe his journey. I mean, Matthew, what do you, being the one who went through it, what do you think? (laughs) It was interesting, actually. Somebody, an Australian podcaster, put up um, an interview they'd done with me in August of 2015. (laughs) I saw that. And I'm sort of blithely saying, Oh, it's all about the fans. It's all about that, you know, and obviously it's my journey into it, but but really I'm interested in the fans. And that's where I, I think I was at the beginning, certainly, as Vanessa was saying. And then little by little, I think when we got to um, um, Long Island in the fall of, of, you know, in the November of that year of 2015, we start to realize that, that my personal journey um, was actually going to provide the framework for the story. I think that's when we started to realize that. And then when Vanessa kind of took over the editing and and was very much, you know, and I wanted her, her very much to sort of take, take the reins on that. And she did this beautiful job of sort of structuring it around that, which enabled me to sit back and 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 actually do some directing, you know, and and sort of sort of, you know, encourage different directions and things like that. So it was very much a give and take from both sides, I think. Well, I always wanted it to be about Matthew, but it was hard to convince someone. So it was really in the editing room, I guess. There are moments, Matthew, where you it seems that you get more and more involved as the story goes along. Is it accurate to say that you basically found this documentary in the edit? Well, not strictly. I mean, mm. by the time I'm reading poetry of my mother, you know, I mean, I'm not going to do. I'm not making a film about the fans when I'm reading poetry of when I'm reading my mother's poetry, and uh, you know, and when we're sort of filming, you know, packing and going and filming very much my life. So it wasn't strictly in the edit, but we were editing while we were shooting, obviously. Yeah. So there would be a cut that we were happy with and we'd go, oh, we need this, we need that, we need that. So it was a building, you know, it wasn't like a fiction film where you shoot everything and then you go and edit. We'd shoot stuff and then we'd edit and then we'd shoot more stuff to make that work. So the last... When did you move, Matthew? That was in 2016? 
Yeah, I moved in 2016. So it was quite. And uh, I filmed that. I was like, oh, you're moving. All right. We got to film this. We got to get it. He's moving to L.A. Maybe, you know, that's the change. Who knows? The bulk of the filming was in 2015. And then we went back and shot a couple other things. And, you know, we were just sort of playing with the edit and seeing how it would go. When we saw the um, gunfighters thing yeah. and the, the effect that the gunfighters had on me and had on the story. And it was that was revel, a revel, that was a revelation, as they say. I haven't had my coffee yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's this really beautiful shot where it's you on stage and your dad's kind of framed behind you. Yeah. I, I, That's yeah. Dylan Glocker doing his magic. I guess I'll ask both of you, what was your relationship with Doctor Who like before this documentary? Obviously, you're, you wrote the TV movie, Matt, but Vanessa, I'm more curious about yours. Imagine it's probably similar to Pete's watching it on PBS. It was basically um, watching it with my dad and my or my family. My dad was a big nerd and loved science fiction. I mean, I mentioned the Star Trek. He was always like, ooh, family night. So I was uh, pretty young, four or five, something like that, in the 80s. And I was like, I love this guy with this scarf and this poofy hair. What's going on? I have, have fond memories from childhood watching Doctor Who. And I never watched it when it came back. And it was only until I found out that Matthew wrote the eighth Doctor that I was like, what are you? What? How did I not look at your IMDb page to know this? And that's when I totally flipped out that sort of was when we first started doing this documentary was my realization that he wrote the eighth doctor and then i i did watch the tv movie so then that was my gateway and then i started watching the new series that's a good question how did you come to know matt well we had worked together on two of his feature films before so we'd worked together we were friends so there was a uh, you're a good friend and bar america and yeah from that it was just sort of a collaboration I initially met Vanessa when, when um, she was doing her, her master's uh, MFA in film and she was making a wonderful documentary called American Contradiction. And I was an instructor. I was well, a professor, whatever you like to call it. And I was you know, teaching script and, and directing. I made a film which I acted in called Boxing Day with Danny Houston. It did get released in Britain. That was quite a successful film and in, uh, played at Venice. And we'd made that film for like like no money. We'd, we'd just gone off and shot it in the wilds. It was Bernard Rose directing, and Danny Houston and myself. And it was a and it and it inspired me to make a film just with a friend of mine, uh, Lawrence Kushner, who's a rabbi. And so we came up with a sort of fun story. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like Doctor Who. Am I light in a way and in, in a drama way because it's what I call a mock-you-docu-drama. And because of it being a mock-you-docu-drama, the documentarians were being played by Vanessa and Dylan Glockler, but they were also actually shooting it. Do you see what I'm saying? And, mm -hmm. and I was playing a washed-up 80s porn director who, <laughs> who has a friendship with a recently widowed rabbi who wants to get his apartment from him. It's a fun film. You can watch it on Tubi or I'm sure there's lots of little platforms it's on. Excellent. Uh, I do want to say it's sort of like the precursor to Doctor Who Am I in that what, yeah, it's like the start of our working relationship. And it is a movie about a documentary where the documentarians take over the movie because essentially Doctor Who Am I 
it is about is shooting a documentary. Sure. Yes, it's very Andrew much. Kirby it's not like thing. a documentary where you have, you know, sort of glossily shot interviews and glossily shot B-roll. You know, Doctor Who Am I is is a film where you're, you hopefully you got this feeling that you're on the journey with us. And yeah. The journey is the journey is the story, and lots of documentaries try to do that, and and I, I think we succeeded. Um, on that front it's a bit more raw than most documentaries and i mean i mean that as a compliment it's yeah. a bit more rough around the edges so yeah it does feel very immersive and like you are on the journey a couple of drone shots though yeah um, they're, like they're, three 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 <laughs> drone shots they're de rigueur aren't they in the in the in the movies is one of them when you're going over the golden gate bridge Oh, that was uh, that was actually we bought that. Oh, okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. that's true. So we have four. And then we Beautiful. bought there are the trees. So five, five drone shots. We're like, we can have drones but, in ours. <laughs> but the three that we did are of Vanessa's little mini, which is TARDIS blue. And we, we you know, for those nice. of you who we've had some viewers, they watch it and they go, huh. It's like you're traveling around the TARDIS. Who's the doctor then? You know, um. <laughs> Vanessa, you've worked on documentaries and stuff before as an editor. What is it about the genre that you enjoy? Well, this is the first feature that I've edited. So that was quite a journey. I think discovering the story in the edit, it is, I, editing is like writing. It's a different, it's like writing in pictures, you know, like editing. If when you, when it works, it flows. It's like the sentence, okay, this is a beat, this is a period or whatever, like you're going on to a different thought. And so there's something about the, 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 I think how my brain works in pictures that I just really enjoy of putting the pieces together. So what is it about documentaries that I enjoy? Well, it's real people, they're sure. real stories. I mean, I want to get into fiction more as well, but it's just like a completely different, different beats kind of, you know, but I don't know, I guess it's a puzzle and it's, it's, it's a puzzle and you're working with trying to convey a story and an emotion and a journey of, of people, which I like. Martin talks about finding it in the edit, but I think, I think it's a nice phrase for people that, you know, might not want to say, well, you know, there's more writing to do. Right. Yes. Well, yeah. And you do it with fiction as well. You do often you you change the story in the cutting room. And it's the thing nobody really thinks about the editing, but it's like, you know, when a movie like anything where I'm like, oh, and I'm a victim of that too. I'm like, I need to study more of the editors and like the things that they yeah. do because it's like, oh, it works. When it works well, the audience doesn't really notice it. Right. But we we've all seen a film that's like choppily edited and you're like, uh Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, for anyone who doesn't know, how did you get involved with writing the TV movie? I've been doing Young Indiana Jones, so I was known to Philip Siegel on that front. And I'd done a lot of stuff for the BBC. And the guy who ran Fox TV movies, Trevor Walton, knew my work. We both acted together in the youth theatre. So I'd known him for a long time. So everybody knew me. So when they'd gone through all these other writers, and they just called up my agent and they said, well, what about you? And I came back with this pitch, which was basically Doctor Who Am I, which was this, which was exactly what we did, more or less. The only thing we added was in my first, in my initial pitch, it was Doctor Who Am I, and the whole show was about trying to work out who you are, just as much for the companions as mm. for him. And then as it progressed through the few months of development that it took, they said, well, he's got to find out who he is, and then he's got to save the world. So, you know, from the master. 
and and uh, so I think I've always had the master. I think that had always been there, but but really it evolved quite quickly. I just got it like a regular job, but obviously um, they didn't know about my father's connection to the show. They didn't know about my personal connection to the show, which is explored in the um, in the documentary. That's a really beautiful moment when you're sat there with the audience watching the gunfighters. What was it like to be in that room and feeling that love from all the fans for your father's work? You know, it was great. That's all I can say, really. It was fantastic. Um, and I say it in, in there. It's a, it, was a feel, it was a strange feeling because I was very nervous about it because I was worried that they'd be, you know, asking detailed questions. And all I had were vague memories, you know, fragmentary memories of that part of my life, which obviously wasn't a great part of my life. So I was nervous on one level that I wouldn't be able to answer any of their questions. And secondly, I was nervous that the whole thing just might upset me. Mm. Um, I, I, luckily, I had looked at it prior so, so I had an idea, you know, something at all came back. It's an interesting, it's an interesting, I don't know how well you know the Gunfighters, but the, the Gunfighters is interesting <laughs> as a show. Lots of really, you know, Hampstead, London, American accents. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> lots of, uh, you know, and some strange version of, uh, you know, American folk song. I mean, it was, but you've got Dr. Grace Holloway, which I wrote. And then you've got Doc Holiday, which my dad played. Mm. And, you know, there's this sort of weird little echo going on yeah. all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, you were definitely nervous for that panel, but he kind of, you had sort of the, the catharsis a bit before. Oh, so yeah. maybe you were more comfortable at that point or had processed some things. That's right. Yeah, I was, was, yeah, because I'd been left. Down well, they went up. They, Vanessa realized there was something that was worth talking about because by then we were, you know, we were cracking very much well, my reactions to stuff. So, so Vanessa went upstairs and prepared while I was downstairs filming Paul's birthday party. It's actually like something that I like to do with acting as well, which is not really planning stuff, but reacting to stuff that happens to you. Right. So, sure. so suddenly filming. Um, Paul's birthday and holding up the phone um, which I'd filmed it on for the for the camera to read suddenly became this unexpected moment of fulfillment where I realized oh gosh I am a fan you know I, I <laughs> and I thought I wasn't that was very unexpected and I think those kind of moments don't can't be planned do you, do you know what I mean but when they happen they're beautiful um, and that's one of the pluses of making a documentary. It's also one of the pluses of improvised drama as well. When you mentioned Paul McGann, that leads me to the question, what do you think was the impact of the feedback you got from the cast members of the movie? When they spoke of their experiences making the film, did it change your outlook on it at all? It did a bit. Paul, for example, was totally, I and mean, this isn't in the documentary, but Paul, I think, was totally unaware of the fact that I was constantly rewriting and because because actually his part pretty much I was looking through some of the rewrites his part pretty much stayed the same I was rewriting tons of other stuff all, all around him mm. so he wasn't really aware of the of the constant maneuvering that was going on um which That's was good. 
all full, all good credit to yeah. Jeffrey Sachs, really, who who was brilliant with his actors. And the same with Daphne. You know, they have, and I think actors tend to have a rose-tinted view of whatever they've been in. They they just, you know, if it's been oh. successful, they they sort of have this sort of um, this sort of you know, well, that was great, and they hold on to that. Um, and so he, he and he, so he, obviously he. He he was really like the Yoda of the story for the documentary, wasn't he, Vanessa? I think. What did you feel, Vanessa? What did you feel they brought in terms of perspective on the TV movie? Oh uh, well, they've been in the fandom for so long that I think for them, whatever their experience was doing the TV movie, they were just so embraced by all the fans everywhere that it sort of covered everything i think they're just more in love with the fandom and then the opportunity that the tv movie gave them there was nothing like the experience i was in san francisco in 1996 and oh. i knew it was shot in vancouver but that didn't matter it was san francisco and it was doctor who at the same time <laughs> well i was in san francisco when we when, when i was writing it obviously it's special to me for that reason really oh i'm glad i mean it's a it's a sort of hollywood thing oh Oh, he's this is our writer. He's in San Francisco, and it would give all the executives a chance to get on a plane, come up to San Francisco, and swan around Marin for a little while. And, <laughs> and uh, maybe that's why I got the job. Well, it's stuck, I guess. You stayed for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, they were sweet. It's interesting looking back at the TV movie now because it's kind of the prototype for the new series. And I know everyone kicked off when the Doctor kisses Grace, but nowadays people get angry if the Doctor doesn't kiss a companion. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how is that a mistake? <laughs> so you're, you're right. There's an interesting bit where Philip Siegel talks about getting attacked because of that moment. What were you going through after the movie came out with the fan reaction to that? I just got these sort of negative reviews in the press from the writing point of view. And most people really liked Paul and and uh, things like that. But but I got these negative reviews, so I just withdrew in a way i went back to um disney where i was doing emperor's new groove and i went on to do a science fiction piece that never got made for for zootrope so i was working away so i thought oh well okay that didn't work onwards next thing and then when it came back i didn't i didn't really follow big finish um when it happened and then when big finish got bigger now, then I went, oh, oh, he's still alive. He's still going. You know, it was a surprise. And I think the doctor that Paul develops for Big Finish is a more sophisticated doctor than the doctor we were putting together for, for Fox. Well, he's based um, around the, the core. It's, a, it's still the core. He still has he still has the same kind of, well, you know, he still has the same kind of um, the character, if you like. And so... Um, I loved it. Did you like it in The Power of the Doctor when he turned up last week? Oh, that was was glorious. Glorious. He's cool. He's so cool. Even in a couple of lines, he was still he was still the eighth doctor. Mm. He still got it the same way as Sylvester, I think, still has it. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back to the documentary, was there anything that you really loved that you had to cut because it didn't work narratively? Oh, I think there was quite a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, more on God. Daphne there. Daphne is just yeah. such a wonderful person. We had a whole Daphne sequence that we were just like, oh, 
we just had just had to cut it out just to help make it flow. You stay for the credits. There's a little like button at the end of some of the cosplayers behind, you know, behind the scenes. And that was just something that we also loved following Shauna and uh, Joanna around with their costumes and stuff. There's more stuff with them, which is great. But if you stay for the end, yes, there's a little bit at the end that was in the cut. We're just like, got to cut it, got to cut it just to make it flow. Well, you And you wanted to know what their relationship was a little bit more yeah. because they pop up. She pops up as the time fairy at the beginning. They're different characters. And it was just chance that they ended up winning the, the pageant. As well. I was about to say, because I love that shot that you got just before they're going in. You know, I mean, and I'm like, did you restage that? No, it was just luck. Will all these deleted scenes be on the Blu-ray? This is a good <laughs> question. <laughs> um, we don't know yet. We don't oh. know. Um, but the still, Blu-ray, Blu-ray, no. Okay. Maybe in some other release. Sure. You never know. At the last minute when they went, because they're not making it until a week before. I've done commentaries that have been like done the week before. Mm. So they they might turn around and say, we want to shove a commentary in but i don't think extras because that would take longer to prepare sure um, so there probably won't be extras on this blu-ray there may be extras or i would hope because it's something that that people like to have there may be extras on something that gravitas might put forward because we got we got um you saw this we got american distribution yeah i saw well done it's yeah. amazing. congratulations it's really nice gravitas is a, good, is a great distributor they distributed a film called The Mole Detective. The, I don't know if the other year was like 21, got nominated for an Oscar. So so I've, I'm very pleased. They handle quirkier documentaries. Mm. I think they're good. I don't think this documentary would be in its current form had the BBC made it or some other, some other company. Totally. Oh, you're right. They would have made it about the show. Mm. And I think that's why they've kind of left us alone, apart from, you know, Sutsing with our, 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 you know, the the artwork. But apart from that, they've kind of left us uh, left us alone, which is, and obviously everything we've used is under the fair use um, statute, whereby you can use it if you're talking about it. So, so mm-hmm. if I say, you know, and the biggest mistake we made was to make the doctor half human, and then you have the master say he's half human, then that's fine. That's called fair use. Same way where we had sort of. Um... You know, we knew we had to be careful with how much of the TV movie or the show we use. So that in a way also, yeah, if we were if we had the whole Doctor Who catalog or we could use these things. Yes, it would have just changed Hmm. everything, I think. So it kind of made us streamline and really, you know, only use the TV movie when we needed to. But, yeah, we had to clear it with our lawyers. Also, to be honest, it's like I showed this film at one point. To a producer I'd worked with, Zotrope called Fred Fuchs, who's a really nice man. But when he looked, when he looked, oh, he just saw the trailer. Actually, he just saw the trailer, and he and he went, Matthew, stop it. And and I went, What do you mean? He said, Nobody's interested. <laughs> Nobody's interested in a film about you. Don't be stupid. You're not a star. Just just do something different. Um, just stop it. And so it was very, that was why one of the reasons I was reluctant. I think if we'd gone to the BBC, they would have probably just said, stop it. And they, it would never have got made. The fact that it's truly an independent piece, I think it's a piece that's born of our friendship. That's mm. how I'd like yeah. to put it. Um, I agree. It's born out of friendship. 
most movies aren't. Most movies are born out of ambition or born out of, you know, some other kind of thing. But this is a film that's born out of friendship and a friendship ultimately that extends to the fandom and, uh, you know, and to this whole world. So it's not surprising it's taken seven years. In that way, it's actually quite a unique little film. I treasure it. Yeah. I mean, the amount of trust that it takes, at least for Matthew, to be like, okay, put your finger on this. We'll do this. Slowly being like, okay, my story is a part of this. So it just took a lot of trust. It turned out to be the unique selling point. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Do you think that? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it, hopefully it's this thing that'll keep it alive as a film, regardless of Doctor Who, in a way. People would look at it and they'll go, huh, that's it. Isn't there that people are making films like this now? And they've been making them for years, actually. Lindsay Anderson made one that was a bit like this. Yeah. All right. I'm very conscious of the time now. And I know you're both busy, you've got other interviews to do. So thank you very much for for joining us. I highly recommend this film. It's in cinemas across the UK, about to come in America. We'll put links in the show notes uh, where people can see this. And it's coming out on Blu ray and DVD at the end of this month, I believe. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. Thank you for having us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Pete. It's been a pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Pete.